Hello, all of you, and welcome to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. Before I turn it over to Pastor Kyle, Hello again, and welcome back to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. Hope you're having a great day. I'm recording this on the week of Thanksgiving, so more than likely, if you're listening to this, there's a lot going on. There may be a lot of plans that need to be uh, taken care of, a lot of cooking that needs to be done, but thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to our podcast. As always, if you would like more information on Grace Baptist Church, Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. You can email me personally at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at gracecartersville.com. And all of our services are live on YouTube as well. Let's jump right on into it today. What do you say? Now, first things first, I want to give a special shout out to Pastor Jake Fowler. He stepped in for my place last week. I was supposed to be out of the country uh, Hurricane Nicole changed those plans, so I just got to sit under his preaching, and I, I love that guy. I appreciate him so much and what he does for our students and for our church. So thank you, Jake Fowler. Uh, I'll slip you the money a little bit later on. All right, now, I want to transition to you right now. I want to ask you a specific question. How is your faith today? Now, I'm not asking how your faith has been in the past, but how is it going today? Are you encouraged by your faith and the time that you spend with the Lord? Or let's be honest, are you in a dry place? Are you simply going through the motions? As we come upon Thanksgiving and Christmas, are you in a place where your faith is solid, solid enough to withstand the ups and downs of the coming weeks? You're going to be dealing with family that is present, and that can be nerve-wracking. Can I get an amen? Some of you may also be dealing with family members who are not present. Are you going to be dealing with loneliness for longing? So today, what are you doing to prepare to put your faith into action so that faith will grow? The answer to that one for you, maybe, well, Kyle, I'm listening to this podcast right now. Well, that's great, and I, I'm thankful for it, and I encourage it, but we've also got to remember that just going to church or just listening to a podcast, it doesn't necessarily accomplish anything unless we put what we've learned, what we've listened to, into action and into motion. But these are all questions to ponder as we begin reading today. Now, I want you to go ahead, if you've got your Bible, and turn to our text, Hebrews 11. And while you're turning there, just to recap, this is what we've been doing, what we've been going through for the past few weeks. We've been focusing on individual people of the Bible that are listed in Hebrews 11, bringing them to life, seeing their episodes of faith where they put their faith to work couple of examples. Noah. Noah and his diligence to build the ark, even though there were many questions that were unanswered. We talked about Abraham. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. Instead, God provided for him right at the last moment when God provided a ram in the bushes. Next, we read about Rahab. What a scandalous week that was. She had a checkered past. She had a developing faith, and God used her and her family to be put in the line of the Messiah. 
Last week, Pastor Jake covered Moses, a man that was reluctant, man that was a failure as a leader, a failure when it came to the murder of someone else, yet God delivered. And we'll wrap up this series today and look to the unnamed. No character in particular, no person from the Bible in particular, but let's begin reading and I'll explain to you what I mean. Hebrews 11, starting at verse 32. Here we go. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection." Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for the reminder of just how strong faith can be. We pray in the name of Jesus that our faith individually would grow stronger so that we would pursue you more and recognize where you're leading us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, after reading through specific names and events, this author of Hebrews just goes through a group of names. Following those that carry some extra weight, the expectation that you have some background knowledge on them, even the names are dropped and we're left with unknown. We're left with consequences, with actions that took place. Not totally different from what we have in our country. We have a symbol for the unknown. If you go to Washington, D.C. today, you visit Arlington National Cemetery, there you will witness the tomb of the unknown soldier. According to their website, the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, it's Arlington National Cemetery's most iconic memorial. The neoclassical white marble sarcophagus stands atop a hill overlooking Washington, D.C. since 1921. It has provided a final resting place for one of America's unidentified World War I service members. And unknowns from later wars were added in 1958 and 1984. The tomb has also served as a place of mourning and a site for reflection on military service. Accompanying the tomb, soldiers who volunteer to become tomb guards must undergo a strict selection process and intensive training. Each element of the tomb's guard routine has meaning. The guard marches 21 steps down the black mat behind the tomb, turns and faces east for 21 seconds, turns and faces north for 21 seconds, and then takes 21 steps down the mat. Next, the guard executes a sharp shoulder-arms movement to place his or her weapon on the shoulder closest to the visitors, signifying that he or she stands between the tomb and any possible threat. The number 21 symbolizes the highest symbolic military honor that can be bestowed, the 21-gun salute. 
this monument. It was established as a symbol of all that have died, and they've not been able to return home. The monument is a reminder of those that we don't know the names, but their actions still live on. This text that we just read serves a similar purpose. While it's not a physical marble sarcophagus, this text is a representation of all of those who have acted in faith, named or unnamed, but they brought glory to God in the process. So quickly, of the names that do appear, we will run through them and some of their credentials really fast. Gideon, Judges 6, he destroys the Midianites, but is slow moving and doubts God in the process. Barak, Judges 4, defeats the Canaanites, but needs to be moved in action by Deborah. Samson, good old Samson, Judges 13 through 16. We know he's a big, strong guy with long hair. He defeats the Philistines, and his weapon of choice is a jawbone. But he neglects his Nazarite vow and never lives up to potential. Jephthah, by faith, he defeats the Ammonites, but made a really foolish vow about his daughter, and it didn't turn out well for him or for her either. Then we get to King David. While some of the others may need a little bit more explanation, David doesn't need an introduction at all. He's the king of Israel. According to the text, he's the man after God's own heart, especially when it comes to his faith. But he's also the man that committed adultery, covered it up with murder and deception. Then you transition to Samuel and the prophets. Bless their hearts. People who were given specific words from the Lord and most of the time completely ignored by God's people. All examples that in many ways shed more lights on their warts than it does their success. But what were they able to accomplish? Then what you see is a transition to where no names at all are mentioned, and instead of mentioning them by name, they are characterized by what happened to them, their circumstances. Now, I'd love for you to see this. Go back through the text and just follow along with me. They conquered kingdoms. Well, that's an example of Kings Asa, Josiah, and Hezekiah. Administered justice, Elijah and Elisha. Obtained promises, Caleb and Gideon. Shut the mouths of lions, Benaiah. He was a guard of David. That's a sermon in it of itself. Oh, I love it. It's one of those. I'll do at some point. Quench the raging of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escape the edge of the sword, David from Saul, Elijah from Jezebel. Gained strength in weakness, Sarah and Esther. Became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. That's King Jehoshaphat. Going into verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again. Well, that was the widow of Zarephath. Elijah was the one that brought that child back from the dead. And then the Shunammite woman, Elisha, one following Elijah, also brought that child from the dead as well. Now, while these verses highlight the earthly successes, what proceeds after that doesn't sound nearly as good. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. We believe the prophet Isaiah, even after proclaiming the word of God, was put to death by being cut in half, died by the sword, afflicted and mistreated, nowhere near as comforting or as, as exciting as that first part of the text. But I love the closing. Verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. Essentially, 
These people aren't perfect, but the world isn't good enough to have them either. And verses 39 and 40 summarize the point so well. Why the dichotomy? Why do we see both sides of the coin, the good and the bad? Why make a point to mention all the highs and lows under this scope of text? According to God, because of the faith that they showed, they are all the same. Not because of the result, but because they acted in faith. As we mentioned several weeks ago, these Old Testament followers, why were they acting in faith? They were acting in faith with the hope of the Messiah to come. They were waiting on the completion or the perfection that was to come in Jesus Christ. And now in our faith, our faith can be made complete. We have an advantage because we live on the other side. We know the works of Jesus Christ. So in wrapping up this series, truly this is a way for us to wrap up about the last three series that we've done. Everything that we've been discussing, going back to the very end of summer, the beginning of the fall, going back to that series on prayer where we took time to pray and to fast for God to point us in the right direction, now we get to the point where we have to ask the question, what do we know about our faith? Well, here's the first part. Faith empowers the flawed. Faith empowers the flawed. Here's what I mean. Do we allow our flaws and deficiencies to become crutches for ourselves so we feel better about not doing anything? Do we allow our flaws and deficiencies to become crutches so we don't feel too bad about not doing anything? This is what that sounds like. Well, Kyle, I'm really just too old. I don't think I can serve in this way. Here's the flip side of that one. Well, Kyle, I'm too young. I don't think I have the experience to lead in this way. Well, Kyle, I've been divorced in the past. Now, never mind that I've been happily married for 30 years since then, but since I was, I just don't think I can be of service. Well, Kyle, I just don't make that much money. I don't think I can be a part of ministry. Listen to me. What kind of faith is it that puts constraints on God? What kind of faith is it that puts a constraint or a restraint on God? So, yeah, maybe from a physical standpoint, you can't do what you've done in the past. Maybe from an experiential standpoint, you may not be quite as spiritually mature, but maybe it's your spiritual maturity that will equip you to lead. Uh, wasn't there a young lady that gave all she could, even though it wasn't as much as others, and can't God use that for his glory? I mean, good grief, even Moses killed a guy, and God restored him and used him. Sure, recognize weaknesses, but then evaluate what does your faith empower you to do. We know that we can't put restraints on God. So what restraints then are you putting on yourself and why are you limiting your faith? Limiting faith, limiting what God can do through you. Now, you did not hear me say 
You can do anything through faith. You didn't hear me say that life will be better with more faith. But are you asking God for your faith to be put to work? If so, then you better start looking for opportunities. If that's truly your prayer, God is going to provide opportunities and he will not ignore those prayers and we've got to act in obedience. From what we read in verses 35 through 38, it won't all be roses either. So watch out and understand part two, that faith creates a target. Think about where you are with your walk with Jesus. Ask yourself, if you're being abused, mistreated, or victimized by someone else around you. Now, I purposefully am staying away from using the term persecution. I think at times we can water that term down just a bit, but I do want to ask you this. Who walks in a different direction when they see you because they know you're going to talk about Jesus? Who mocks you because you ask for them to pray for you or you ask to pray for them? Who laughs at your backwards beliefs? If there's no one in your life that does this, then I've got another question. Why not? I'm not saying be an ignorant Bible beater. Those people get on my nerves too. I'm sure not saying stand on the side of the street shouting at people because it makes me want to shout back at them. But what lost people are you openly, lovingly sharing your faith with? Now, I am saying that we're beyond the point of assuming that everyone we come into contact with as a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't assume that. And on the other side of that coin, we should also be past the point of thinking they will assume the same of us. Open faith produces a target on our back. And if we don't feel like we have a target, it may be because we're not a threat to the opposition. Think about that. If you don't feel like there's a target on your back because of your faith, it may be because you're not a threat. Shifting to part three, faith shifts focus. Now, with the realization that success and setback are both part of the Christian walk, it calls for us to shift our style of thinking. Our understanding, our goals should not be based on success, but as we've said over and over about the Apostle Paul, for him, his results, his success was based on obedience. Now, going back to our series on the Lord's Prayer, we said, we discussed that what happens when we pray correctly? We don't pray what we want to pray, but we pray in accordance with God's will. Are you worried about sharing your faith because of the result? Are we more concerned with winning friends and influencing others? No doubt, both of these would make things much easier, but that's not always obedience sharing your faith and sharing the gospel, but then crashing and burning in the process may be more obedience, may bring more glory to God because we acted out in faith. Fourth thing, last thing, faith equips us to hold on. Lastly, even though the road is not guaranteed, even though the road is going to have ups and downs, sometimes in the same day, faith provides what we need to hold on. The fingers are not going to slip off. The grip only grows tighter as we grow closer to God in our faith. 
Faith gives us a greater idea just how awesome eternity is and a better idea that the here and now doesn't equate to all that much. Because we know what happened at Calvary and three days after Calvary because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, our down payment, our hope for eternity, we have the confidence that we will endure. So like any training, we must continually build our endurance. Otherwise, we become stagnant and ineffective. Just as the old guard guards the tomb of the unknown soldier with diligence and a regimented lifestyle, so are we as Christians to follow through in growing our faith, in pursuing Jesus Christ. So let me get back to those questions that I asked in the beginning. No doubt there's trials coming for all of us in these coming days and weeks as the holidays grow closer. But from the text today, we need faith to endure even more than we may expect. Looking inward, evaluating our own faith, where are you at? Are you in a place that you can withstand the trials and the temptations? Or is today the day that you willingly lay aside pride and realize, God, I've strayed and I need to refocus my sights on you? It can start through prayer. It can start through prayer with another believer, openly confessing that you feel like you've fallen back. Maybe, just maybe, you're ready to let go and begin following Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. I always encourage you, I leave my email at the front and at the end of this podcast because if you've got questions on salvation, maybe there's no faith within you, but you feel like God is calling you into a relationship with Him, Email me, kyle at gracecarsville.com. I'd love to open up that dialogue with you. If you're local, I'd love to take you out for a cup of coffee for a meal, and we can see where you're at and look through God's Word and what it says together. I'm available for that. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus, but you realize my faith is not growing. I'm stagnant in my faith. I'm complacent in my faith. Boy, what a Thanksgiving and what a Christmas it would be if the gift that you gave to yourself was to draw closer to God in the process. I, let me pray for you as you ponder those things. God in heaven, thank you that you draw us near to you. And Lord, we must draw near to you as well. Father, thank you for your word that we have evidence, we have examples of faith in action. There's going to be good times, there's going to be bad, but our faith is all counted the same. Thank you, God, that we live on this side of knowing Jesus Christ, the opportunity to have relationship and what he completed in his life, his death, and his resurrection. We can live eternally because of him. I pray that each listener that listens to me right now has an understanding of that. And Lord, if not, I pray they would reach out. Thank you, God, for your goodness and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, don't know when you're listening to this, but if you listen to it before Thanksgiving, hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We will see you again next week. And But as we go, we love God, we serve others, and we show grace.